What up, Calvary cast listeners? Episode 93, I believe we are on, if I, I did not check. We're almost to 100. So here, I had this goal. I thought it'd be cool if we get to 100 by the end of the year, but I don't think we're going to do that. It would be tight. It'd be tight. And there'd be Here some of them, and they'd be like, why are you doing this? This isn't <laughs> you helpful had, at You all. had nothing to say this week, so we just recorded a three-minute podcast, so we could call it that and do that. But uh, well, no. the hundred, if we did a hundred, like, let's say we could get to the hundredth, like the beginning of January. We could do that. That's probably more. Yeah. Well, think about it. That's cool. Kicking off the new year with our hundredth Epis- yeah. episode. And it's taken us at that point, it'll be almost three years to get mm-hmm. to a hundred episodes. So about 30 episodes a year. That's not t- terrible bad, I guess. I guess not. Yeah. Cause I mean, some would, you think about it, some like podcast that we listen to even yeah. they take the whole summer off that's true and we kind of do as well we just take random season I know. time <laughs> like let's take september off okay <laughs> it just is what it happens see if we're not if the creative juices aren't flowing then that's we right. just kind of now well we should introduce ourselves just in case you're new i am the clogged up congested host graham parker you are jess miller now you've been gone and mm-hmm. while you were away we had the two most successful podcasts we've ever had. Really? Listens, I mean, through the roof. It's thousands, hundreds of thousands. So you're holding us down. Oh, wow. And these were the ones you did. These are the I ones I did. To the one, one I did, them, the I Floyds, and then I did one on my own. Uh-huh. And I'm just telling you, raging success. Well, then maybe that's the key, dude. <laughs> no, actually, more like Graham can't fly solo. <laughs> so. But I'm sure. Now, see, I haven't listened to the one with the Floyds. Oh, you haven't listened to that one? I, I haven't You yet. need to listen to that one. No, I, That's yeah, the I best like podcast to. we've ever done. Really? I think so. We've ever done. In other words, you <laughs> did without me, but I, I had planned to be here, but I was leaving the next day. Yeah. So. Uh, no, it was really good. Yeah, good. Well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. Listen I'm to excited your, about that. Listen to your own podcast. Uh, that's all the banter I have. Uh, segment one. Book of the Month. I'm holding up the book. Our Calvary Cast Plus subscribers can see that on the video. Actually, they can't because there's no Calvary Cast Plus subscribers. Therefore, no video. Uh, our book of the month. We want to talk about each month the book we're recommending. This month is Lessons from the Upper Room by Sinclair B. Ferguson. Talk to us about this. It's good. <laughs> it's real good. No, All right. Um, well, thank you. And yeah. now moving on. <laughs> so Sinclair Ferguson is phenomenal he's a phenomenal bible teacher theologian um pastoral heart i think now he is isn't he back in scotland he's yeah. scottish that's the his number one reason you should read or yeah listen his very his accent itself so if you've ever listened to him and then you read his book yes. you're you're reading uh, it with very, that accent i very much do that and uh he was here for a long time part of ligonier ministries and and that kind Out of thing. westminster theological seminary but now he's back in scotland i mm-hmm. think he's an older gentleman i mean he's at mm-hmm. the probably the end of his mid 70s probably yeah he's probably towards the end of his ministry mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. as far as public ones but now he's at some uh, church there and he's helping teach and different things yeah but anyway uh so we wanted to introduce everybody to him mm-hmm. because you will profit from him yes. not just his writing because these actually come from a series of like teaching mm-hmm. uh lessons he did mm-hmm. on the upper room discourse mm-hmm. 
That, of course, is John 13 through 17. <clears throat> Which we were doing podcasts on that, and we've kind of stopped those. Oh, yeah, we were doing those. We were. But here's the thing. Just go read Sinclair Ferguson. Yeah, it'd be better than ours. It'd be better than ours. (laughs) I've taught through that section three times in the Bible, John 13 through 17, and it's a blessing each time. Yeah. And it is a gift to the church to have Mm -hmm. those chapters Mm because they're not anywhere else in the Bible Mm -hmm. of Jesus teaching his disciples right before he goes to the cross. Yeah. And so you'll glean from it. So if you go through these lessons with him, you can probably find the corresponding videos online if you just search yep. for that, yep. where he was teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think if, you, if you're if you looking for someone else, you know, from time to time to listen to sermons yep. or lessons or whatever, I think you would really love you, Sinclair Ferguson. Sinclair Ferguson. He's, um, just don't listen to him on baptism. Right. Once he gets a baptism, you turn it off. Because he's a Presbyterian. Yeah. But other than that, it's yep. really good. And what I like about him is it's really rich. His mm-hmm. teaching is very rich and very calm mm-hmm. and very fatherly, pastoral, mm-hmm. and it's warm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's not a firebrand. No. And he's warm, and he's, he's he's wanting to encourage and, you know— I don't know. I if you really enjoy Alistair Begg's preaching, mm-hmm. you will enjoy Sinclair Ferguson's preaching. Yeah, I, I would think. say that was good. If that, if if you, yeah, I'd they're say both Scottish and they're friends. Yeah, so I think I think that that's true. So, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the cold came to kill me there. So, a wholehearted endorsement of lessons from the upper room. Pick up a copy in the lobby today. There you go. Now, get them while supplies last. Get them while supplies <laughs> last. <laughs> Anyway, what are we talking about today? Um, today's a little different, unique. Okay, mm-hmm. I've been gone for I was gone for a couple of weeks, and um, anybody at our church knows it's because my mom passed away, and I went out when I got word that we were towards the end, was able to spend some time with her there, and was there with her when she went to be with the Lord. Yeah, so it was a blessing in all those ways, but also went with it the. You know, the elements of suffering that are part of that, um, sorrow and mm. uh, a lot of anxiety yeah. in caring for her. And um, so I walked through that. It was a unique experience in that. And um, as I was on my way out there, I was thinking about Ecclesiastes 7 and um, where he says in chapter in verse 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Okay, so I'll talk about that in just a second. But I, So what I'm doing in this, I'm just going to bear some testimony here. I don't have a lot of formal stuff written out, but, yeah. you know, uh, I grew up in a church context where um, we often had public testimony time and different things, and I yeah. really enjoyed that, and I think we have that now more in our small group mm-hmm. times. It should be a part of it. People mm-hmm. can give give people time for what's the Lord doing in your heart and all that. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing right mm-hmm. now, okay? Because cool. I, th- I think it's, uh, I've thought about some things, and unfortunately our congregation, some of them never met my parents mm. because... I never did. Right, because yeah. they stopped com- being able to travel out here probably about four years ago now. Mm. And Just the time we moved here. Yeah, so that was probably about their last trip. Maybe four to five years ago was probably their last trip. And uh, before that, they got to come out. So some people got to meet them. But you didn't have the privilege of meeting my mom. And um, our church would have been better 
if my mom was a part of it. Hmm. I mean that. Yeah. And um, as I even saw her impact in the lives of, you know, those caring for her in her mm-hmm. last days mm-hmm. at the uh, assisted living facility and how they came to the funeral and there mm-hmm. were tears and that, that she had impact. So mm-hmm. anyway, as I was going out there, I was thinking about this, this verse in Ecclesiastes, it's better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. This is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. And I knew that as, as I, I think we should all be conscious of when we go into situations like that, that God is going to work in us and he's going to want to show us things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and this, the author of Ecclesiastes is saying it is better to go to this somber, sad, Mm. um, heavy experience, the house of mourning. Yeah. And the house of mourning would be somebody has died yeah. or is dying. Right. And and if you've ever walked into a home where somebody has died mm-hmm. or is dying, there's a lot of mourning going mm-hmm. on. There's a lot of sorrow. It's very heavy. And the reason it's good, I think, is is because it's it's sobering and you think and reflect upon What's happening? The living will lay it to heart. Yeah. Hmm. This is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. One of the things you'll see as you visit dying people, and one of the sobering aspects of it is it's a reminder of your own. You're going to die. Right. Right? And uh, some people can't handle that. Hmm. And this is why um, when in, in Christian circles even now, we want to change a memorial service or a funeral into what we call a celebration of life. Mm-hmm. Well, why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. We're doing that because we're trying the best we can to avoid the sorrow that accompanies death, the finality of it, the mm. pain of it, the darkness of it. The uncomfortableness of it. It is. And yet, I think that's the opposite of what we should do. Yeah. Because because of, well, in part this verse, right. and um, that we embrace, as Jesus did, mm-hmm. the reality of the house of mourning and understand that God can teach us some things in it. Hmm. So I was just reflecting on that, and I, I wanted to put that out there for us, that um, the we, we don't always want to avoid these situations that hmm. we know are, are hard. I've heard right. people say, you know, my instinct was to want to be with my mom when, when I knew she was dying. Right. Even though she was suffering and things. And uh, I've, I've heard people say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to remember the person the way yeah, they were. right, right. And I'm like, no, no, you, you really should right. go into this, even for the person, right? You should go into it for the person. Yeah. Think uh, about, you're talking about, think about the person that's dying. That's right. right. You're yeah. going in there for them. You're right. You're going to be with them. Right. and. Uh, comfort them as they're leaving this world. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's, uh, so we were able, I was able to be there, took care of her for a couple of days before the Lord actually brought her home. Uh, it was a blessing to have my daughter there, Ashley. She came up from Arkansas. That, would, that turned out to be really a huge thing mm-hmm. for me, just to have her there with me. And then my brother and my sister-in-law for part of it. But so we were all kind of there being able to take care of her. And then um, my sister came in from Wisconsin with her husband, and within a couple hours she passed away. We were all there. 
I put on Blessed Assurance uh, by Alan Jackson because my mom and mm-hmm. I, when I was back visiting in August, um, my mom had dementia, but when I would play these hymns from Alan Jackson, uh, she could sing along with them. And they were a lot of the kind of the yeah. old quote unquote yeah. old school hymns or gospel songs. Yeah. And uh, I knew them all because I grew up with them and yep. it, she would just be singing those with her. It was just a real blessing. So we were playing some of that by her bedside because it wasn't like her, her death was not what I would consider a real easy one. Mm. It was, was there, it there seemed to be discomfort. Yeah. Peaceful yeah. discomfort, those kinds of things. So I put on blessed assurance and was holding her hand. And then I watched as she took her last breath mm. and went into eternity so uh, that was quite a blessing uh, to be a part of, and at the same time, very hard to be a part of. And um, but I wanted to be there with her yeah. when she was when she was leaving, and so God answered that prayer. Um, but anyway, any were you going to say something about that? No. Not okay, because I saw. Okay, so anyway, with that with that being said, as I reflected on my mom's life. And the fact that the, you know, people here didn't have the opportunity really to know her well. Yeah. I've told people this, and I, I believe it's actually true. I know a lot of people would say this about people they know. But I think my mom was the most godly woman that I've ever met. Hmm. And when I, when I understand the word godliness, if we say somebody's godly, you know, what does that mean? What is it? Is it to be godly? Or to to live uh, live in godliness, mm-hmm. and sometimes we immediately think, well, it means uh, you do what's right and you don't do what's wrong, right? You don't sin, you do what's right, right? And there's that element to it, yeah. But the idea behind that that word godly or being godly is that it means that your whole of life, all of your life, mm-hmm. is lived in the conscious presence of God. Mm. Uh, always thinking about him mm. and applying, you know, your relationship to him and his word to the various areas of your life. So, uh, you know, I noticed this in, and this may be off a little bit in first, second Timothy, I think, right. He uses that phrase a lot talking about godliness. Is that the, the context, the idea then? I think it is. Yeah. And that would be also the quorum Deo, right? Life before the face of God. Yes, right. Concept as well. Piety would okay. be another understanding of sure. it, right? Um, and and religious mm, in mm. the best sense of that right. word. We we shy away from the word religious, but it's a very biblical word. Right. It's uh, that piety, that godliness, that all of life is mm-hmm. lived in the presence of God, mm. and um, always thinking about you know the, you're in the presence of God, and not in a fearful way but in a delighted way. And that was my mom. And there was no distinction. And I'm saying these things hopefully for the benefit of all of us because yeah. I benefited from it because I cannot say with a, I, I cannot say that this is 100% true of me as it was my mom. Mm-hmm. But I can also hope that as I grow, as my mom did, yeah, because it would not have always been true of her, right, right, uh, that it would become more true of me. Right. So that all of our life is this consistent, consistent godliness and this displaying of the fruit of the spirit that, yes, grew over the years. Right. Um, You saw it come from her in home at home, but also at church. There was no there was no difference between, you know, Jan Miller at church 
on Sunday morning yeah. and Jan Miller at home yeah. on Tuesday evening. Yeah. Like there wasn't a distinction. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's really God's grace in yeah. somebody. I mean, that's really, she yep. never like let her hair down. Like, mm. okay, I'm, or like the song, you know, I'm kicking <laughs> off my Sunday shoes now, right? <laughs> it's like there wasn't any of that. It was always so consistent, which made it wonderful. And um, her worship was not just at church on Sundays. She was a weekly worshiper, mm. and I can remember going to her bedroom door as a kid, bugging her, and now I know I was bugging her because I'm, like, <laughs> knocking on the door like, Mom, 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 and it take her a minute to answer. She opened the door. She'd have been crying, mm. and and I didn't even care. Right. You know, it was more like just, hey, I need something, 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 or whatever, <laughs> you know, and here she was in there, like, worshiping God, mm. interceding for her loved ones, mm. You know, being spending time in his word, hmm. contemplating it throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that really had an impact on me, even though at the time I didn't realize it. But I can that, you know, how you, when you grow up, you flash back on those things like, wow, that's true. So there was this consistency of consciously living in the presence of God. And I might just challenge all of us. Hmm. Like, are we living godly lives? Yeah. Like, is God a constant uh, influence, mm. presence mm. in our lives, at home and here, mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, as mm -hmm. much as the day, yeah. in good times and bad. Yeah. Because here's another thing. Uh, my mom, I watched my mom walk through a lot of suffering. Mm. Now, my mom, uh, later in life, she did a, get a cancer um, that was taken care of pretty quickly. She had some physical struggles, mm -hmm. um, but up until the dementia, mm. she really, I don't know, relatively healthy. Yeah. I mean, she developed things like congestive heart failure and all those kinds of things, but like her calling wasn't a road of physical suffering. Sure. And I, I think that, you know, sometimes we think about the people who are suffering and immediately it comes to our minds those that are struggling with those right. types of things, which is very real suffering, right. not diminishing that. Right. But some people are called to walk through other kinds of suffering yes. that is as intense. Mm -hmm. And my mom's was relational uh, suffering, and it, it really had a lot to do with her kids, me being one of them. Yeah. And as my brother said at the service, like, she walked through a lot and we were the cause of a lot of it, mm -hmm. right? Something to that effect. And it was like... um things that were really hard for her um and the unusual mm. unusually so with certain certain situations and yet through all of that what was amazing is she still sought the lord earnestly i still saw the same kind of disposition of mm. this fruit of the spirit mm. i can't remember her ever complaining mm. raising her voice in an ungodly mm. way mm. Uh, yelling, dishonoring my dad. Hmm. I can't remember my mom. We were trying to think about my mom ever losing it. Wow. Or, and we just can't. We couldn't wow. come up. And then we thought, well, her, she had to argue with my dad. Yeah. But we just never saw it. Like, so yeah. we were all like, well, they must have gone and done this somewhere else <laughs> or whatever. It was like, I mean, there's this was just as consistent. And through all those years of suffering, we were part of this little church. And, um, there was, there would have been, there would have been some, uh, feeling of everybody knows what's going on in yeah, my life. Right. You couldn't hide it in our church. Yeah. 
and um, and yet she was still consistently reminds me of what Paul talks about in First Corinthians. You know, one of you has a song, one of you has a yeah. poem, one of you has this right. or whatever. My mom was writing things that she would want to read for the church. Mm. She was singing solos, singing mm. duets, mm-hmm. singing in the choir, um, just serving, really trying to be a blessing to other people as mm. well. And I thought, man, that's really that's something. That's in the context of suffering. We are, we're still worshiping and we're ser- still serving. It's, it's very much what you see in in Christ yeah. is that he was about to go to the cross and what does he do in that upper room that Sinclair Ferguson is writing about? He's looking at how he can encourage his disciples, yeah, and and teach them truth and that. So, I just want to encourage us to think about this idea of living all of our life in a godly way. Always seeking the Lord um, and trying to ask God to develop within us a consistent, consistent character. Yeah. That Romans 5 proven character Mm. that emerges not just at church, not just when we're around other Christians, but also at home. Not only when we're with other people, but when we're alone. And not only when the times are going well, but when the times are going awry. Yeah. Right. And when we're walking through through suffering. So I wanted to just put that out there mm. to honor my mom for yeah. the people at our church that weren't part of the service yeah. and, and didn't know her very well. Because when I think what God wants us to do, too, as we analyze the life of a believer, um, we're going to want to take things from them. Yeah. That were examples. Yes. Of Christ likeness. Yeah. And give those to other people. That's, a, that's what you see, like Hebrews 11. Yes. Right. You know, like here's these people and, and a lot of them have major flaws and yet they are commended because of their faith. Yeah. And so you just did that with your mom. That's fantastic. Yeah. And there's one other area, too, that I think is really important. And this comes out in things like that song or that poem she wrote that you put to music. Yeah. Um, and then we play that at the at the service. And the more I listen to the, the words of that and think about it, it reflects. Yeah. A robust theology of salvation yeah and the story behind uh how my mom developed this real good understanding of how salvation worked Mm. and i think i'll share it yeah okay so when they weren't my parents were not saved till i was right before i was born yeah uh well before you even tell this yeah do you want to like you should just summarize what the poem says basically yeah right or what it's called Right, so it's called "He Called My Name." Yeah, and maybe we should read it if yeah. we've got it available, I, even right now. I don't, I don't have it with me, but I don't have it available here. But. Um, or maybe we could post something or yeah. in the link or whatever they could look it up or what have you, because it's called "He Called My Name," and yeah. it's based on John eleven. Yeah, of Jesus calling the name of Lazarus. Yeah, right, and the, it reflects my mom's proper understanding. Yeah. of how salvation actually works. Yeah. So they so so when my parents were saved Let's see, my oldest brother was 12 years older than me, so he was about 12 mm. probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little younger than that because I think it was right before a couple years maybe before I was born, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe a little younger than that. But anyway, they they had already had three kids and then they got saved and then I come along. And for a couple of years when they were first saved, they were going to this church. It was a Baptist church um there in Rockford, and it was th- their view of salvation. Okay, 
rejects the idea that God chose hmm. has a chosen people that he chose before yeah. the foundation world. Okay. Yeah. They would say that that teaching, they called it the doctrine of demons. So it's not <laughs> oh, like they just, yeah. it's not that that church just said that wasn't true, Yeah. but this comes from the devil. Wow. And we hate anybody who would like claim this. Wow. And in, in those environments, what is put upon people is not a healthy, you know, not like a healthy motivation to evangelize, but a burden. Yeah. Like, in other words, we have to convince people that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior. And that's done through certain techniques, because what we're really trying to do is influence the will. And we've got to we've got to um, get them to see this. And so they would put them through training courses of like you know, how to evangelize and not just some tools, but like, no, do this, do this, do this. Then at the right time, take out your Bible yep. and share this. Cause if you blow it, yep. this person's going to go to hell and guess who that's on. Yep. That's on yeah. you. I've heard uh, stories. Well, there's a book out there somewhere. I heard somebody mention it one time, but it talks about like, it's manipulate, like at the right time, put your hand on their shoulder and then say, you know, would you like to pray right yep. now? You know, things like that, manipulating people into a response. My dad had a book, and that's one thing I wish I would have had Wade, my brother, try to find for me. Yeah. My dad had a book from that church that did that very thing. Wow. What to do, how to, he was showing me, it had pictures. <laughs> like, because you would go, they were big on door-to-door evangelism. Yeah, yeah. And they had pictures like, okay, then now you slide that little pocket, yeah. the Bible, don't show yeah. them at first. And again, it's placing all of the... All of the work of salvation, essentially, on the person uh, presenting the gospel. And if you if you believe salvation works that way, it can drive you it can drive you crazy because you'll feel like, oh man, I didn't witness that person, or I didn't say the right things, or I wasn't convincing enough to really turn their will so that they'll believe in Jesus, and now their blood is really on my hands. Yeah. So anyway, they grew up in that context, and along comes this. Um, pastor who became an assistant pastor, or mm-hmm. whatever they would call him, uh, and um, and he believed in what he started presenting as the doctrines of grace. Mm. Okay, and the doctrines of grace uh, say that we are all spiritually dead in sin; mm-hmm. that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our fallen state is in rebellion to God. Mm-hmm. We are dead in sin. We follow the course of this world we're enslaved to sin and of our own we will never choose mm. Jesus mm-hmm. because we will always choose the sin right. right and and then it teaches that it takes the work of God's grace right in our hearts mm-hmm. to cause us to be born again so that then we will freely choose Jesus yeah. and and teaches that God chose people before the foundation of the world mm. upon whom he set his love upon them. Yeah. And at the right time calls them and then. Yeah. So and essentially it unfolds the New Testament for you. Right. It <laughs> right. shows you yeah. how salvation truly works. Right. right. And this was so helpful to my mom mm. and my dad as they, they first rejected this. Right. They did what everybody does yeah. when or a lot of people do when they hear that. Okay, before the foundation world, God chose some mm-hmm. to be saved. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes up always is that's not fair. Yep. That's not God's love. That means He's leaving other people. And they had all the same objections, and they wrestled with this. And 
the pastor though that that eventually they they that pastor was kicked out of that church. And <laughs> He's then teaching I, doctrines of demons. <laughs> I know. And then my mom and dad ended up following him yeah. and a number of others from my church. And mm-hmm. they went and planted what was called the church I grew up in. Yeah. That's what it was called. The church Jess grew up in. No, it was called <laughs> Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. Huh. So Sovereign Grace yeah. Baptist Church. Okay. And um, that that's a church I grew up in. That that's a church they they became they loved that. But he preached a sermon on um on, on John 11. Mm. And this is what really my mom said captivated her to this view of mm-hmm. understanding of salvation, that what you see there is a picture of what God does for all of us. Mm. Now, John 11 is, is Lazarus, the account of Lazarus and raising him from the dead. The chapter before that is John 10. Mm-hmm. This in John 10 is really connected to John 11 yeah. because John 10, Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. Yep. I know my own, yep. my own know me, yep. I call them yep. by name and they follow me. Yep. I give them eternal life right. and they shall never perish, right? Yeah. Those kinds of things, like this very personal yep. calling a person. And then I think John 11 is this demonstration of it. So the way he preached it, he showed that Lazarus, who are we in this story? Right. We're not Jesus, Yeah. you know, we're Lazarus. Right. We're spiritually dead. We can't do anything to give ourselves mm-hmm. life. There's nothing we can do. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses of sin. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Schwindall once uh, was brought to a, yeah, I heard him tell this story about being brought to a, a morgue or something, and, mm-hmm. and he was brought before a dead body to illustrate this. And he said, there you go, Chuck. Now, now give him life now. <laughs> Share the gospel with him. Yeah. And the picture that God gives mm-hmm. of human beings prior to salvation is that we are spiritual corpses. Yeah. And very clearly. Yeah. There's nothing we can do mm. in our deadness in sin yep. to respond to to Christ. Right. But what happens is what Jesus does for all of us, just like he did for Lazarus, is he stands at the, the foot of the tomb, yeah. so to speak, and he calls us by name. Yeah. Okay. Lazarus, come forth. Yeah. And John said, and the man who had died came yeah. forth. <laughs> That's how yeah. it works. Yeah, right. This, and Jesus is saying, this is salvation. Yeah. This is how it works. Yeah. I know my own. I call them by name. They follow me. Yeah. I give them eternal life. And my mom wrote that song. Um, he called my name. Mm. And the re- and and why that's so impactful is as she was writing that, of course, I think she's going through struggles with her loved ones yeah. that were rejecting. And what she recognized was just as just as Jesus had to call my name mm-hmm. and give life to me, mm-hmm. okay, he needs to do that for them. Right. I can't I've shared the gospel right. with them, you know. We've raised them in church. Yeah. We've done our best, but I cannot give life to dead people. Yeah. That has to be Jesus. Yeah. And so it's that that robust theology mm-hmm. that gave her hope, that drove her prayers. Yeah. Uh, that she understood that, and it allowed her to be gracious. This is amazing because as a parent, who struggles when my kids make bad decisions mm-hmm. with graciousness. Mm-hmm. But this understanding that 
who are they but dead sinners like I was? Yeah. How can I look at them (laughs) and be frustrated that they're responding like a dead sinner when that's my condition? Mm -hmm. So my number one priority past sharing the good news that God uses to call his people it with them and making sure they understand the gospel or at least know it mm-hmm. and, and raising them in nurture, admonition, nurture, uh, nurture and admonition of the Lord is to pray, call their name. Yeah. Okay. And so that's how that poem was structured. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. So I can mm-hmm. see that in her other writings as well, just this understanding of how salvation works, what, what need, what happened with her needs to happen in other people. Mm-hmm. It allowed her to be gracious mm-hmm. with, with sinners yeah, and to be patient with mm. them, uh, knowing that it's only the grace of God that's worked in her. She can claim nothing for it, I think is, is important. And she, she developed her theological understandings, not through going to Bible college, mm. not being raised in a Christian home because she wasn't, she mm. was raised in a broken home that had no, mm. nothing to do with Christianity at all. And um, she developed it with God's normal means of theological development, and that is the Bible Hmm. in personal reading and devotion and the local church and the teaching of her pastors and over the years paying attention Hmm. and taking notes and reading her Bible every day and studying these things and listening to other things that were available. And she grew in in that theological understanding and knowledge. So I wanted to put that out to our people too. Yeah. Be that way. How much time are you spending meditating on truth? I can tell you I saw my mom always meditating on truth and then trying to think through how she can express that. Yeah. And in her way was poetry. Yeah. I can express it through that. Mm. I can I can articulate these things that I'm learning in that way and teaching Sunday school, uh, which is what she did for, for many, many years. So anyway... Mm. That's my mom. I I wanted to put that out to our church just to honor her, Mm. to give us all some um, motivation to uh, pursue that kind of Christ-likeness, and... um, and I hope that's what it will do. Yeah. Well, I know it's been it's been an encouragement to me just to hear these things and uh, a testimony of God's grace. And so I know the people of God will be built up by that. So praise God for your mom's life. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's really, really good. Well, we hope this uh, conversation has been helpful for you today. Uh, our goal is to help the people of our church follow Christ better. Uh, If you're not part of our church, our hope and prayer is that our conversations will help you love the scriptures more and serve your local church better. We'd love to hear from our listeners, get feedback on what we've discussed. Uh, You can send us topics as well if there's things you'd like us to discuss. You can email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com, or if you're part of our church, just come up and talk to us, send us a text or give us a call. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the goodness of people, and the Great Commission. So until next time. There was a time I can still recall When to me Jesus Christ meant nothing at all I was without hope and dead in my sin For there is no life, no hope without Him Oh, I seem to be without a care, but that interferes I wouldn't share, for in my soul all was not well I knew.
I died, I'd go to hell. His the only voice could raise me. His the power, praise and glory. Bless God, a new life begun with Him. Dread and hopeless no longer with I had heard of him who had died for sin, but the facts never touched my heart within. Then like Lazarus, Jesus called my name out of death and sins. He is the only voice could raise me. He is the power, praise, and glory. Bless God, a new life begun with Him. Dread and hopeless, no longer with Now loved ones and others are my concern That a life through Jesus they too would learn Their position in sin is just the same They need Jesus to call their He is the only voice could raise me. He is the power, praise, and glory. Bless God, a new life begun with Him. Dread and hopeless no longer with Him. Oh, Savior, call. That name we pray, give life to that lump of clay. Remove the stench of sin's decay, Lord Jesus, call that name we pray. He is the only voice could raise me. Power, praise, and glory. Bless God, a new life begun with Him. Dread and hopeless, no longer with Dread and hopeless, no longer with Dread and hopeless, no longer.